0: That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for Hey guys, it's Ian Bick and we are back with another episode of Locked In with Ian Bick. Really, really exciting interview for you guys today. I interviewed Dylan Price, who battled addiction as a child, gets assaulted in a state prison, comes out and marries a stripper. Also, guys, a couple quick announcements for you. If you want to get 50% off my locked-in merch, check out ianbick.com and use code locked in subscriber at checkout. We have shirts in white, black. They're printed on next level apparel really soft, really comfortable, great in the gym. Grab yours today. Also, we are now offering exclusive memberships on my YouTube channel. For $4.99 a month, you could get early access to interviews, behind-the-scenes photos with guests, and interact with me on a personal level. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview. Dylan Price, welcome on the show today, man. Traveled to us all the way from Detroit. Hope you had a safe flight in. I mean, you're here, so you definitely got here safely. Yeah, thank uh, you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming out today. Let's get right into it. Where are you from? What's your childhood like? Where was,
1: like, your family from? Okay, so uh, I grew up in Detroit um, in an addict household. And for really, do you understand, like, kind of <coughs> the people that were raising me? I wanted to tell you the story of my mom being deported from Canada. My mom and my dad, um, both addicts, in active addiction, um, they had some sort of argument. My mom leaves, gets picked up by this random guy in a uh, in, uh, like a Ford pickup truck or whatever, and she has like a plastic bag of clothes. And they think, okay, we're gonna escape to Canada together. And they drive all the way to Canada or to New York and try to get the way through. Like, one of those, like, unmanned roads, unmanned border patrol roads. And uh, they ended up, like, flying into a ravine and uh, getting out of the car and huffing it. Take a liter of vodka with them and a plastic garbage bag full of clothes. And following the North Star. This is, like, 93 or something. And how old are you at the time? I'm not even born yet. This is, like, my mom had just gotten out of prison, like, Two weeks before this happened she spent two years in prison due to grand larceny and uh so she she's halfing her way through the with the north star uh, following the North Star and uh the Rick the the guy who picked her up is a threatening individual to say the least so they they fly into or they get into Montreal and you know active addiction man it, it it's um I don't know how to put it but it's running rampant, you know, they're actively using and um, they eventually get caught for stolen credit cards and they get deported back, like from Canada. So they sent her um, on a plane, like put her on the plane, took the handcuffs off and um, just like send her back. They get on the states, they get hit the tarmac, the, uh, what do you call them? Like, the Border Patrol agents immediately meet her on the plane. They say, everyone, get your cards out or get your passport your birth certificate. And uh, they start making their way out. They get to my mom. They check hers. And they scream, it's her, it's her. They tack her to the ground and have to handcuff her. She's thinking, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to jail for, like, ever. She had a five-year tail on that. They get arrested uh, for that, like, shit, And that's what got her deported. So that's, like, my mother. That's the person raising me. All right. So I was born in 94. Um, to that guy. Was that
0: guy your dad that she ran away with? Uh, no. So no. she met someone else and then yeah, had you. Yeah, just
1: straight up. Literally, that was a straight up random dude who just stopped. Never met her before, ever. So yeah. Like, Do you have siblings at all or is it um, just you? I had a brother, but he was like 18 years older than me. So like my dad had another kid from another mom. Um, like when he was eighteen, and he had me at forty-two. All
0: right, So you, you guys weren't really close. No, no, relationship. No, no, not at all. So I, when you're born into this family, what's a dynamic like? Are they are your parents together? Are they divorced? Are they growing up? Are you guys growing up rich, poor? Middle oh yeah. Plus? So,
1: um, we definitely were poverty. Um, my dad was not in the household when I was born. Um, when my mom was pregnant, she was clean for the nine months of my, like, her pregnancy or whatever, and then nine months after, but she relapsed after nine months when my dad came back into the household. Um, and obviously, I don't remember, like, much before, like, four years old, but everything I, I've heard, it's a lot of violence, a lot of drugs. My mom was arrested a lot, um, and in 99, my dad got arrested for threatening a CPS worker because he thought that it was a drug dealer or something who called my house or my mom's house and he answered the phone and like said, I'll kill you, you bitch. Um, if you call again, but it was a CPS worker, not a dealer. So he ended up serving a year on that. Um, but when he got out, the state let me go back with him. My mom was using, I don't know where she was. Um, but my, uh, my dad got me, my dad was a sick individual. He had demons, you know what I mean? He was, uh, he was hurting, too. He was an addict. Um, so he got clean, though. He had about two years in active recovery um, when he initially got me. and we moved to uh, Redford, which is another suburb right, right outside of Detroit. Um, but it was, it was a violent upbringing, to say the least.
0: And how old are you when, like, things started to normalize a little bit? Like, where it was a little yeah, bit more so stable?
1: Maybe seven. Seven um, is when my dad got clean. Like, he was going to Narcotics Anonymous meetings, 12-step meetings. Um, he was taking an active role in his life. He was working. He was still getting disability, but he was working on the table. So we had enough income to stay afloat. But, like, it wasn't, like, um, all our ends were meet. Like, we would sometimes not eat dinner um that was nutritious like we just like boil a whole bunch of pasta and plain pasta you know what Mm. i mean um
0: so you were like one of those kids growing up that always got like the school lunches yeah that utilized those, dude
1: i took full advantage of those free lunches
0: i don't think a lot of people realize like what it's like to grow up like that sometimes not having you know that meal to go home to and you're counting on those school lunches and I, i like i would see kids growing up that were struggling and it would be a big deal if like, there was, the school was closed for a holiday because the family's counting on those lunches. And that's, yeah. like, a very real issue in the yeah. country.
1: And, dude, honestly, like, when I, when I was going to school, man, there, there was a large majority of the kids on free lunch. You know what I mean? Like, Detroit slash Wayne County area. You know, there's a lot of poverty in there, you know, and a lot of suffering, a lot of hardship. Were you bullied at all? Um, a little bit uh, in elementary school. Um, But I, when I was like 11 or so, my mom got clean when I was eight and she was, so both my parents are clean at eight, but not together. My dad's dating some other girl um, with a son. So I have like a stepbrother at the time, same age as me. And uh, my father or my mother was, like, living in a... Do you know what a three-quarter house is? No. A three-quarter house is a halfway house, pretty much, but for non-felons. It's for people who are coming out of, like, an inpatient treatment setting um, so they can reacclimate to life. Um, But, yeah, it was was normal for a few, um, but my dad relapsed um, on a cruise he took. And when he came back... The woman he was with um, was actively using, but he didn't know. She was getting pills mailed to our address. And one day my dad got her um, prescription bag and he looked inside and it was a bottle of Narcos. And opioids were my dad's drug of choice. And he had an opportunity in that moment to like either leave or kick her out. But he chose to go back. He chose to. He asked her, "I'm gonna take some of these," and it was off to the races, man.
0: And he never looked back from that. He just went back down that path again.
1: Yeah, man. Uh,
0: what was it like for you as like a child to see that? Because you you go from being born into seeing him addicted to getting clean, and you're like, "Wow, there's a, a chance for my life to be normal." And then to see him go back into addiction, that's got to be tough.
1: And you were predominantly living with him too. Yeah. Um, man, dude, I literally, that's so true. Cause I can't, there's so so hard to describe, but I didn't know anything until, uh, I was in like uh football, like sports, extracurricular activities. And they take me to, um, pizza hut, like after one of my practices and they sit down with me and I felt something was weird. Like, cause my mom and dad never got together to talk with me. And, uh, My dad sits me down and he says, Dylan, I relapsed and I just break fucking down, dude. Like I'm like twelve years old in the middle of Pete's hut sobbing because I know what that is. I know what that means. It means the life that I know it has changed. That's a lot of
0: pressure to be on a on a twelve year old. Like you shouldn't have to know what that what that's like. Man. So how do you how do you like cope with that? How do you get through that? How do you work through that at that age?
1: Bro, I you know, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. Um, I, I, I definitely did not have the coping skills necessary to fully comprehend and work through that trauma. Um, but it. What I will say though, is that my mom really tried to to pick things up when he relapsed. She took me full time. She we hit, we were counting pennies on the floor for laundry, you know what I mean? So, like, we were really struggling, but she tried really hard, man. She tried really hard. Um, but school was messed up because I had to move schools, and that's when the bullying really began. Um, it was, like, I don't know, seventh grade? Yeah, it was seventh grade. And you know middle schoolers, man. Like, they're, they're old enough to know what hurts people's feelings, but still young enough to not fully grasp empathy. So it's just... Abs- they're like emotional terrorists, you know what I mean um,
0: now I'm curious about something like, was your mom using when you were born,
1: like during her pregnancy not when not during her pregnancy? She okay. had nine months clean during the pregnancy and then nine months after totaling eighteen months because i 'm wondering if that like carries down, oh yes, yeah, so scientifically, um, scientists have uh, located um a gene in like the addicted brain that is uh predisposed so like if you have addict parents like if you have one addict parent you're 25 percent likely to become an active user if you have two active using parents it's like a 50 percent chance that you're more likely to become addicted to a substance
0: and when did, do you know this now like looking back on it or did Ooh. you knew it at, at that age oh definitely i know it now um so you're basically like like it's kind of fucked you were born into like you are destined to become an addict in a yes. way like there's a 50% chance of you becoming an addict yeah I definitely was destined to be an addict and you didn't choose that like that was what I mean that's just something to think about in itself like I don't think adults realize like if they're using and, and then they're bringing a child into this uh, into the world like if they're on alcohol or if they're using drugs or anything it could fuck their yes. child up and and have like an adverse effect on it dude literally. and their people are just not talking about that
1: yeah i so i grew up in the um like when my parents are clean i grew up in 12 step programs so like i went to meetings with them and stuff and you could see that you could literally see the the trauma the lack of coping skills in the children who came to the meetings they're um, just actively bringing their kids to yeah 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 yes uh, well one i to be honest man like there's a lot of um there's a lot of positive qualities with coming to a 12-step meeting. There's a lot of community around it. Um, but that's just like so it, different
0: it's to so like, grow different. up. I mean, instead of having like a family pizza night or a game night, you guys are going, <laughs> going to, a, to
1: a 12-step meeting. Yeah, that's just, <laughs> that's absurd to me. Like, I just, I can't imagine that. That's funny that you say that because I, I honestly, I never thought about it like that, but that is right. That is. Well, that was your normal. We probably should have had a pizza night. <laughs> <laughs> so when do things start taking
0: a turn for the worse for you? Is it like, High school, where you start going down a bad path, are you hanging
1: out with a bad um, group? Where do, where do things turn for you? Well, what I'll say is, so in the when I was mid, in middle school and I was getting bullied and stuff, it was tearing down my self esteem. So by the time I did enter high school, um, I was desperate for for friendship. You know what I mean? Like you're in high school, you're trying to find yourself, trying to find out who you who you are, um, and who you are gonna be. Um, and I and I had no idea what I was gonna be. I had no idea who my friends groups who my friend groups were. Um I, I really man, I will be honest, like I was a loner in high school. Um my freshman year, um, I I had literally zero friends. Um but my mom eventually moved with her boyfriend at the time um, um. to a, a nice suburb. Like a nice suburb. It's called Plymouth. It's in um Wayne County still. But they, it was like 6,000 people high school, a lot of extracurricular activities. They put me in baseball. I was varsity my sophomore year, so I was pretty good at baseball. Um, and that was my friend group. Uh, and then junior year, I tore my rotator cuff, and that took me out of baseball. So I had nothing to do, no friends, no nothing.
0: And that was like the one thing that made you normal. Exactly, the baseball, the friends, it gave you some
1: sense of normalcy in your life. Absolutely, it did. It, that was the the main thing that kept me connected to the community and so how outside did that, of addiction.
0: How did that injury affect you mentally at that point? Does that like change things for the rest of your life? Yeah, yeah, it
1: did. I I had hopes that I was going to get a scholarship for baseball, break this cycle because my parents hadn't gone to college. My mom went back to college once she got clean. Um, but for me, like, that was the plan. I'm going to, you know, get a baseball scholarship, I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to get out of this. So when the actual injury happened, I didn't even, it it took a while for it to register that I wasn't going to play again. Um, You know, I went to physical therapy, and, you know, they were telling me that it was unlikely that I was going to be able to compete at a high level. So I took that as, like, Instead of like trying to work through a continuing physical therapy, I was like, fuck it. Let's, let's find something else to do. And that's where I encountered like the drug group. I had a, friend, a group of friends. Um, it started with marijuana, as everyone does, you know what I mean? Not that I'm saying like marijuana is a gateway drug, because there are a ton of positive qualities to marijuana. Um, I wouldn't recommend it for an addicted person, but there are a lot of positive qualities healing-wise. Um, but it started off with that and drinking. Um, I didn't get in my first like legal trouble till I was like seventeen. We were all smoking in a parking lot, like four a.m., like loud as hell, just being reckless teenagers. And next thing we know, four police cars pull up around us. My the buddy in the front seat who had the marijuana on him, like shoved it in his pants in between his nuts um and uh we the cops because we were 17 at the time they couldn't arrest us so they got my mom and uh (laughs) my mom was tearing us a new one telling us how irresponsible we were and shit like that but that's that was par for the course at the time and then it progresses worse from here yeah 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 way worse so at, at its like worst peak what kind of drugs are you doing um at the worst of the worst crack heroin meth and how old are you um, well, I started heroin at 19.
0: Was that the first like hardcore drug aside from marijuana that you um,
1: did? I would say so. When I started, I had Xanax before, um, like the anti-anxiety medication. I had a real problem with that. So how are you exposed to heroin
0: or that, or any type of drug on that level aside from marijuana? Like what's that first experience like? Like what's that, de- the decision in your mind being made saying, I'm going to try this.
1: How do you commit to doing that? Man, uh, well, it was a conscious choice for me. So um, I had a a friend who was, you know, a pill head at the time. Um, Taking Xanax, Vicodin, whatever. Um, And I get in his car one day. And I just, I straight up tell him, I want to do heroin today. And the drug addict that he was, he was like, all right. And we live in Detroit, you know what I mean? So like Detroit's a relatively easy access for heroin um but like why like what what What? looking back on it now yeah why why would you
0: just say man like man i want to do heroin today insanity but i don't wake up thinking that or i I, even when i was a kid like that was never in my mind so coming from you what's that like like what do you think it was um
1: i don't know the allure that it had it took my parents away from me you Mm. know what i mean like the fact that you can love your child so much but this drug is so much more important that allure that like that curiosity of why is is it so good that they would it ch- would choose this over their entire family and everything they love and that was the pull for me it's like maybe this thing maybe this drug will give me the feeling that i always wanted but never had
0: so do you think had your parents not been addicted to that drug, you would never have even thought in
1: your mind to try it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, it just, like you said at the beginning, like this was a predestined. Does that make
0: you think like going forward, like when you have kids one day and what you want to do with your life, does that make you more conscious? Oh. As like a parent thinking boy, about boy. what
1: you're going to do with your kids? Yeah. I, I, I am a father today. I have a two-year-old. Okay. Um. And, yeah, man, I am super, super on top of that, man. Like, I, I, I understand that because her mom, um, my wife, is also a recovering addict. Um, I, I'll tell you more about that. But my daughter, like, I, I'm so um, hyper-conscious of, like, what environment she's in, what she's going to see because kids don't always do as you say. They do as you do. You know what I mean? So I want her to see me working my ass off, staying away from drugs. Like, I don't want to really take her to 12-step meetings either because that's kind of exposing her to that, that idea that drugs are something.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're 19 years old. You try heroin. You're doing other drugs. How are you supporting this drug habit? Do you have a job
1: or are you committing, so, like, crime to support it? <laughs> yeah. So at 19, I was selling heroin too. Um We were living in this busted-ass trailer, me and the guy who initially got the heroin together. um, And we were selling, just trying to use, like, what we wanted, but use it for free. So we'll sell, I don't know, 20 bags, two 20 bags, and get a free 20 bag for us. So you were doing
0: it just to support the habit. Exactly.
1: You weren't looking to make money. I mean, I was looking to make money, but I was doing too much heroin to make money. Yeah. Yeah. I basically every drug dealer
0: I've talked to when they're de- using, they don't really make much money because yeah, they're no. smoking their supply.
1: Yeah, literally. That was exactly the case. Um, now are you injecting heroin or are you smoking it? Well, at this time I was not injected. Um, I was snorting it. Uh, but it only took like two months before I injected it. And what's worse to inject? To definitely st- to inject. That's the worst because it goes right into the bloodstream. Yeah. So the like the effect itself is way stronger when injected, um, and also way more addictive. Um, however, I will say that at the if you're like in the process of shooting up, it, the risk is huge, huge risks. Um, myocarditis. Which is like a uh, bacteria in the heart, um, like HIV. Age. I have Hep C. I got Hep C from injection. Um, yeah, not fun.
0: And you still have it now, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Away? I'm being
1: treated for it. Um, so like, so do you but, have to
0: like disclose that to people? Like, is that like considered like a like what and is it's that- not
1: like a, uh, HIV, where um, like. It's transferable like that. It's only transferable through like blood to blood contact. So if I was bleeding into your open wound, you have a low likelihood of getting it. But it is a possibility.
0: Now at this point in time, do you have any relationship with your parents?
1: Like while you're using at your peak? Um, No. So my mom wanted nothing to do with me because I kept stealing from her. I stole everything in her house.
0: And she's clean. Yeah,
1: she's clean at this time. She's going on like... 11 years clean because she got clean initially when I was 8. Okay. I'm 19 now. Um, she wants nothing to do with me. I, I still, I've, Every time she would go to sleep with me in the house, I'd steal all her TVs. She has woken up multiple times to no TVs in her house. And you're just taking it to the pawn shop. I'm not even taking it to the pawn shop. I was too lazy to do that. I would take it to the drug dealer and just say, please, take this TV. And she's not trying to help you at all, like trying to get you clean, like oh, bring you to a rehab, and really she's trying to do that, bro. She's de- but I'm not listening to shit. You know what I mean? I'm just poo-pooing her. I mean, you know, do you I'm I'm I'll survive, I'll make it. Um and that wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't working. I and what wasn't. about your dad? Um So my dad if you remember, he relapsed when I was like twelve. So he was still using And I didn't see him for like six years. So he's using for almost a decade more after that because you're almost, you're in your early 20s at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, I actually, my, uh, so I, like I said, I didn't see my dad for six years. So when I did see him again, he was the shell of a human that I remember. He was 90 pounds, soaking wet. Um, From what I understand, he had lung cancer, but didn't do anything about it. Um, and I stayed with him for a while in, in the middle of my addiction.
0: And you're both using together?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's not injecting, but he's snorting. How is he supporting his habit? Like He's is- getting uh, disability. Okay. He's getting disability, and his partner um was also getting disability. So they were using together. We were all kind of supporting each other's habit. And what when a
0: relationship right there.
1: <laughs> it was really messed up, man. I, I look back at it now and realize and see how kind of sick it was. Um, But... At the time, like, I was so wrapped up in, like, what, what's going to get me my next one? And that was the mentality I had. You know, that's the mentality my, my dad and his partner had. Let's just get high.
0: Now, what actually lands you in jail? Um, is it just petty crimes, or do you do something
1: serious that lands you into that? Or is it like a buildup? So it's kind of like a buildup. It's, it's crime after crime. So in my first charge was a retail fraud trying to steal from Kohl's trying to i shoved uh like a 60 dollar bottle of like cologne in my pants and tried to walk every out. kid did that and like I, I
0: remember when um before they used to lock up the colognes at like cbs and walgreens you uh, the middle school kids would go they would steal it and then sell it it was like the ralph loren the knockoff yeah, yeah or the um there was some other popular one verve or something like yeah. that that we would get and that was the popular thing now they lock up all that i was at yesterday i was at Walmart getting like Polaroid uh, yeah. cameras. They even lock those up now. They lo- they're they locking up everything. The whole
1: electronics department's it's locked up. It's probably my fault, man, because I've <laughs> stolen, dude. Literally, you name a store, I have taken that place for a ride, bro. So you steal from Kohl's, you get arrested for that? Yeah, yeah. So that was my, I was like 18 when I first got arrested for the retail fraud. But that was probably like a slap on the wrist. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, like I non reporting probation. Like I did, like that guy got, got out from with like a $500 bond went to court never saw a judge probation officer again
0: and then you just kept doing things like that
1: yeah yeah so that was a learning experience instead of like man i gotta not steal shit it's oh, okay i gotta be better at stealing so i uh <laughs> i i tried to like creatively um steal shit from other stores but cause I was banned permanently from Kohl's. Like they had my picture next to their So could you go into Co- a Kohl's today or not? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they <laughs> want me out. I don't think they want me there and that's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who shops at Kohl's? Right. I, I get it. I, I think I they're going it. bankrupt. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, that was my first charge. Um, but they, it, it progressed quickly. So after the year of non-reporting probation, that was when I was selling the heroin and, uh, I was supporting my habit from with retail fraud too. Walmart, um like JCPenney, Public sometimes. Um but yeah, I I was stealing to support of my habit. Um, my honestly my drug dealer uh, at the time was this old ass um African American woman who had like kids and grandkids in her house so she instead of like me paying her she would let me steal, like, Spider-Man and Superman toys from Walmart and exchange it for drugs. Wow. So I was stealing, like, literal action figures in exchange. That was, that was my play for a while. So this
0: eventually all catches up to you and you get jail time for all of these different crimes you're committing?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I get <laughs> this is, I get caught in another cold. That's how um, one of them. So I was sick one day, withdrawing from opioids, and – um. I don't know if you know anything about withdrawing from opioids, man, but it is a nightmare. Like you feel like you're dying. And I, uh, I call my buddy and I, because I'm not driving at the time, they already suspended my license at this time for not showing up to court. So I ask him, hey, I need a ride. Uh, I'll go take me anywhere. I just need to steal something. So of course, I choose Kohl's again, despite me being banned. Um, and I just go in there with a the backpack and start shoving Nike shirts and shoes in my backpack, not even giving a shit. They're watching me. They're straight looking at me. I'm making eye contact with fucking employees as I'm shoving Air Force Ones into my backpack. It was not good. Um, so I try to walk out, and the loss prevention guy's right behind me. He's like, don't fucking do it, dude. I'm already on the phone with the cops. So, like, we look at each other, me and the the driver, are like, oh, fuck, we're, we're, we're screwed. So we f- jump in the car. And I'm like, because I put some clothes on under my normal clothes. So I have like four pairs of shorts on, two pairs of boxers. And I'm trying to rip them off as he's speeding down the street. And we see cops coming the other way with their lights on trying to stop us. And they ended up, he's trying to escape. He's trying to literally high speed chase these cops. And I'm telling him from the back seat, like, bro, they're going to get us. Stop the car. They're going to get us. And so he stops the car. They actually, they didn't stop. The, he didn't stop it on purpose. They cut him off. They rode him off the road into the grass. Oh, wow. And they, they come up, guns drawn. Um, I'm in my boxers. Like, literally, like, I have one pair of boxers on. I'm on the phone, like, trying to call my mom, tell her, like, Mom, I'm about to be arrested. Like, just letting you know. And uh, he, he pulls me out. He doesn't even let me get shorts or pants on. He let, He makes me sit in the boxers. Um, and they knew you were wanted at that point. Too. Yeah. And I had a whole bunch of warrants, um, for retail fraud, drug possession. And then at the time that I actually got arrested, I had uh, heroin needles and a crack pipe on me. So they arrested me for that. Um, I served like 43 days in County jail, uh, for that. And when I get out, I'm supposed to be on probation. I do not do probation well. Like, I, I've never completed a probation in my life. It always ends up in jail time. Usually because they hit me with, like, a lot of the, like, 12 meetings a week or, you know, go to one-on-one therapy, community service, and I just was too lazy to do that because I was caught up in my addiction just getting the next one. Uh, so I'm, like, 22, 22 or 23 um, I'm I'm using heroin on a regular basis every single day, um, maybe $50, $60 a day, which is a pretty bad habit. Um, And a dealer at the time near my house lived in an apartment um, on the second floor, and I had a buddy uh, who would go with me to pick up drugs with him. And this time he wasn't home. So our thought is the drugs are in this house. All we got to do is get in. So we try crowbarring his door. And we're in like do you know apartment lobbies like so like you walk into an apartment building and there's like separate apartments but they're all in the same like hallway together. Yeah. So we're in the middle of the hallway with six other apartments right by us trying to crowbar this guy's stuff doesn't work. So we go downstairs and uh, we go around to the back where the patio is and I boost this guy up into his house, Um, he unlocks the door, and we ransack this dude's house, take, like, $1,000 worth of drugs um, and money, iPhone, I think, Uh, and they end up calling the cops. So, like, they knew where I lived, and I don't know how the guy knew it was me who robbed him, but I get a call from my mom saying that, your drug dealer's here, and he's threatening to shoot me and they, like shoot up the house. So I'm like, "Oh fuck, dude!" So I call the police. I'm like, "Hey, there's this drug dealer at my mom's house. What do I do? Like, can you please go there? He's armed." Um, so they go, they kick him out, but they can't arrest him because there's no proof. But he—that's when he tells the police that I broke into his house. So when I come home, they're waiting for me, like I'm. I'm thinking I'm gravy, dude. I think the cops kicked this guy out. Like, I I'm, I got all the drugs. We're squared away. I get back, and there's two cops waiting for me inside of my house. And that's when I got popped for the home invasion. That's what sent me to prison.
0: And how much time do you get for the home invasion? So I got 13 months
1: total. And so, are you clean by this point, like, when, when you go into prison? Hell no. What? I am sick as a dog. I am sick as shit, dude. Like, literally— I'm throwing up shit in my pants. Um, that was, like, the first yeah. few weeks of prison? Yeah, so uh, I got, so in Michigan, they have a, a protocol where they send you to Jackson, which is a, a prison that, like, it's a max security, but it's also quarantine. So I got there, and that's where, like, the the throwing up, the pissing shitting out of my butt would be. <laughs> like, it was bad, dude. What year was this, and how old were you? 26. 16 i was like 22 or 23 maybe
0: and this is your first time ever really like doing a long yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. this is my first time um riding the lightning <laughs> yeah, yeah dude. Well, what are you thinking like when you're when you get a little bit sobered up and and you're the withdrawal pains are subsiding what what are your thoughts about this prison and where you're at mm. um
1: man i uh I was shocked at first, you know what I mean? I was, I was anxious. Um, Cause I'm a small guy, I'm five, six. So, but I mean, I can scrap, like I can fight. I was, when I was bullied, I, I always used to fight back. Um, and this is just a regular state prison. It's nothing special. Right, like, yeah. Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. No, What, what type of people are there? Um, a lot of drug addicts. For the most part, it was a lot of addicts. Um, there was, so like, in the prison itself, like in quarantine, I was pretty much locked away from everyone. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't a lot of um, violence um, because people are just trying to get to their own spot. But when I went to like the actual prison they sent me to, there was like gangs, that was uh that was when i got checked so i i didn't want to join a gang dude like i i just wanted to do my time and get out
0: this is a, the first week you got
1: there to this prison <laughs> this is the first week they're I approaching g- you to join a gang yes so how does that go down so uh i'm mm. like literally like in the day room and they it's i don't know what they call themselves the Aryan nation the Aryan brotherhood white power one of those And they said, hey, man, you got to you got to rock with one of us to be safe. You got to put in work. And I'm thinking like, fuck, no, I don't. What do you mean, bro? Like, I'm just chilling. You know what I mean? Like, let's do our time and let's get out. That's the goal here. Like, can't we all just get along? And that that didn't work out. So like I I I told no, but super respectfully, I was like, listen, man, I'm just trying to get my time done. I'm not really trying to put in work for anyone. I'm not. I'm not like that. I'm not about that life, quote unquote. And it's he seemed kinda cool about it. I thought like, all right, that's cool. Um and then I I was alone for a while. You know, I mean it was about a week, week and a half. And uh I'm I'm showering. Um And uh, while I was showering, two people. Um, one of them was the shot caller for the African American people there. They were they were in Bloods. I don't, I don't know what gang they were affiliated with, but I'm a, I'm pretty sure it was the Bloods. Um, it was two of them. Oh, shit, man. And th- so, like when I was showering normally, and I heard them at first, I heard them come in um and i and I asked, what's up I'm butt ass naked bro and, and I asked like what's going on?" Are they naked or are they just yeah uh, they're, they're in their they're in their whites and grays um and one of them turned off the shower dude, and I was like I was mad confused, I thought I was about to um like scrap or something or I thought they came in there to like smoke a cigarette or some shit um and one of them just hits me like like I wasn't expecting it I was like hey man like what's up and it was just a fucking haymaker and he hits me and like what
0: do you do in that moment
1: man fuck dude like I I'll be honest dude I froze I froze bro You know, I, I, uh, I fall to the ground, um, and one of them kicked me in the head, and I started covering my head up, and I felt one get on top of me, and, uh, they rape me.
0: Holy shit!
1: Yeah, bro. I mean, that really changed my life.
0: What are you like thinking, like in that moment? What what happens? Does anyone does anyone come in, bro? The-
1: I'm screaming, bro! Like I'm screaming. The the everyone in the pod can hear me, dog. Everyone in the pod can hear me. I'm screaming help. No one came. In. They all let her happen.
0: Where are the like the officers?
1: This I don't know, bro. Literally, there's no officers There's no COs in there. Like the only time I saw a CO was when they brought fucking commissary or something. We it was like a a sixty man pod. And they, they they just had cameras, and when they needed to talk to someone or pull someone out, they would all they would do is make an announcement and then pop the doors. Do you know what these guys are in prison for? <laughs> um, one of them was for assault, um, and I don't know what the other one was in for.
0: So, what's your next move after this happens? Like, what do you do next? Do you go to the hospital? Do you go to the CO? So, I went to a CO,
1: and you reported what happened. Yeah, yep, yeah, I reported what happened and they put me in solitary confinement. So they put you in the shoe, they put you in protective custody basically. Yep.
0: Did they send like medical to come check you out or what does anything happen? Nope. Nothing.
1: No. Did you ask for for them to check you out? No. No, I didn't want anyone touching me. I didn't want it. Dude, I I was I was so fucked up. Like I just remember having this horrible anxiety like it was gonna happen again at any moment um and they didn't even provide any type of like psychologist to come see you shit they literally provided nothing that's crazy they put me in the shoe they like i was punished for what happened to me
0: that's how these prisons work like if you need protection or anything there's like they'll say protective custody all it is is them putting you in the shoe you're not in like some special unit or anything like that It just it's crazy what they do so you spend how many how long are you put in, the, in protective custody for uh two weeks or so and do they move you to a different prison
1: uh no they move me to a different unit pod okay. yeah
0: and are people talking about in the prison what happened oh yeah like words getting out oh yeah for sure um and how long are you into your stay at this point like how much time do you have left Six months. You have six months left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So how do you even navigate? Like, what what are you doing? Like, I couldn't even imagine that having that mindset of what happened because that's traumatic. Like, no one deserves that to happen to you. And you still have six months left to do. What's your outlook at that point?
1: Violence. I'm one. I wanted revenge, which I never got. And I wanted to not have that happen again. So I did um, put in quote-unquote work for the Aryan brother. Dude, I don't, honestly, I don't even know what they're. Fucking white dudes. So and you went to them and you said, hey, I want to ride yeah, with you yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they knew what happened. They knew what happened. And honestly, in my personal... Like, I, and you I think I, they set you up? Yeah, I do. And dude, that's so crazy you say that because I, I, I honestly... Like I never thought that someone could have that. Because I didn't do anything wrong with these people, you know what I mean? They just wanted you to be a part of them and yeah. to do yeah. to do Bro, I'm telling you, man. I've thought about it a lot and I truly do believe that's what happened.
0: So they let you in to ride with them now. Yeah. So what are you doing for them? What do you have to do
1: for this protection? Um Well, a lot of it was I held knives. So like in my particular bunk um i could like there was this open metal grate underneath the second bunk and you could hide like three knives in there at once no problem can't even tell so that's mostly what i did um and i had a fight i guess there was another kid, he was uh, African American, real young. Um, I honestly, in my per- now, this is uh, just a guess, but I think he was a chomo. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, when they came, when he came into the pod, the quote unquote shot caller told me um, that I was going to fade with him. And uh, we did, I, we, we just went in there. And honestly, the kid was smaller than me, but I got my ass kicked. <laughs> but you put you you fought and yeah. you, you you showed up yeah i showed up i, w- I was ready to rock because in my head i thought if i don't do this they're gonna do something to me so this prison
0: turned you into more of a violent person you, oh dude you went in as a drug addict not a hardened criminal you were in for shoplifting yep. and it turned you into something you never wanted to become yep well, I'm actually, I was in there for home invasion. Home, yeah, but it wasn't like a violent. Right, exactly. You say home invasion, you're thinking like armed guns and stuff. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of addicts that,
1: I, I, you know. Jumping through windows. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I think it's insane that they you have a one-year sentence and they're putting you in with these types of people. Bro, literally, that's exactly what I was saying. That's thinking. a real problem in the system. I mean, like, why are, like, fraud guys, why are drug addicts being put into facilities with dangerous individuals and there's no security, like, the 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 co aspect the co Mm, aspect the ratio it's terrible
1: that was honestly the one of the craziest parts like you could have
0: gotten killed like you literally literally, and you all you had was a drug addiction
1: yeah i think back to it now and, and definitely recognize like holy shit man i was i was sick you know what i mean going in there but what that prison turns me into like what happened while i was there was by far um, worse than what I experienced in active addiction up until that point.
0: So, with this just being like a like a state prison, like a regular level state prison, there's still a lot of politics in this, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what what are the politics like? Are they checking paperwork? Are the sex offenders and the snitches not allowed at certain tables? Like, uh, what-
1: definitely the sex. So, the sex offenders the, they tried to put sex offenders in our pod like a few times, and that always worked out really poor like they it, it it was a paperwork. so everyone gets their paperwork checked if they look suspicious you know what i mean like typically like um like the homies from the street or something who like come in don't really get their paperwork checked because everyone kind of understands um but like the 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 child molesters and stuff they got they got some they got some shit that come in their way and then when they uh they had a rough go of it to say the least um there was uh there were shot callers who on a whole um were pretty chill people but what they asked of you um of their people was not indicative of um <laughs> a good leader you know what i mean like there was a lot of violence it was really i think it was all in attempts um, to kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, man, but, like, fit in. You so do you I think mean? these people are
0: actually tough?
1: No, oh, dude. They were just going along with it? They were just going along with it. They
0: were just exposed to this, like, ecosystem, political system, and they turned into this.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's Kind of exactly like what right. you had to do as well. Yeah, that was... um
0: because it's sink or swim. Like you learn to adapt. Really, that's the one thing prison can teach you. It's you, you, ha- you have you have
1: no choice but to adapt. Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent. Because not adapting ends up with what happened. I mean, you know what I mean? I because you think going in that like, okay, I can do this. I only got thirteen months. I can do this without violence. I can do this without linking up with the gang.
0: Because that's how what you're you're grow up meant to think the system's like you're 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 growing up meant to think that all cops are good and that the law is always right and that the court system's fair and that you can go to a system and you're going to be
1: safe you're in prison you're exactly. doing your time you're supposed to be safe protected That's all the movies, dude. I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to worry about someone coming in the shower after me. I don't have to worry about um, gangs and violence. But I'm I was wrong. I was wrong, you know. I mean, prison is—they um, called like the prison I was in. They called it, it Gladiator School because of the the violence that was there. You had to fight. Um, and you're seeing violence normally. On yeah, a, on a I actually do. I saw. I was in um, a lunch the lunch line one time, uh, and I this uh, Mexican gentleman literally like walked up behind someone two feet in front of me and sliced his face wide open like you could bro like you could see his teeth through his mouth it was horrific blood everywhere now i my that was the first time i saw anyone slashed or something so like i'm fucking holy shit what's going on help this guy dude everyone around me is not doing anything they're just sitting there you know what i mean so prison's a weird spot, man. You know what I mean? It turns you into something that you didn't think you were capable of being.
0: Now you get out. How long did you actually serve on that thirteen month sentence? Um, three hundred and seventy four days. So a j- about a year, basically. You get Ten out days over a year. What do you do when you get out? Are you back into drug addiction, or are you trying to get your life
1: together? And a little you- bit of both. So, like, I under at this point, I definitely understood how. Um, damaged i was how important it was to um, get some sort of sobriety under my belt did you see like mental health treatment at all not at that time no 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 um in fact i i thought to myself that i'm not the problem it's the state i'm living in it's because michigan has access to drugs because um i i thought it was everyone else not me so what I did is I told my mom, I'm moving to Florida, and she wanted to come with me. So she sells her house to move down to Florida with me, pack everything on top of a Honda Pilot. Because she's trying to save her kid. She's trying to save her son. And uh, she, fly, she goes, we drive down to Florida, and uh, from day one in Florida, I was seeking out drugs. Like I would go up to homeless men on the street. Hey, man, where's the heroin at? Um, and that never worked, but what did work is I went to a strip club and I go to a strip club and I ask one of the dancers to get me heroin and this dancer pulled out a bag of fentanyl and in my head, I'm like, I'm in love. And now this woman... With the stripper or the drugs? <laughs> a little bit of both. So like it was, it was her. So, um... Or just her like willingness to whip that bag out and, and, and give me fentanyl right there and then. And what? she told you it was fentanyl. Yep. Absolutely she did. And uh we do it together and I find out that this girl's like homeless. She's living in a homeless shelter with bed bugs and shit. So I'm like, come on home with me. And you bring this stripper home. I bring the homeless. stripper home. To the, and me and my mom got, like, a a mobile home trailer. When she sold her house, she didn't, like, buy a house in Florida. She just got, like, a mobile home trailer, saved some money, put some in the bank. Um, so we get there, and, man, like, my mom is livid at first. But to be honest, man. The three of you guys are living in this mobile home trailer. My, dude, fuck. My addiction was sick, bro.
0: Um, now, this woman that you brought home, she becomes your wife that's uh, a crazy story yeah
1: dude it, it gets even crazier too because i honestly dude like I, i'm ashamed to say this but i got my mom to relapse you got your mom to relapse because you brought her home no i brought drugs home with theirs so like imagine if you sit in a barber shop eventually you're gonna get a haircut you know what I mean? But your mom had been clean for like 15 years yes, at this point. Yes, literally. So she had been clean 17 years at this point. And uh, she like hurt her foot or something. And I kept suggesting, get some Vicodin. Get get a couple Norcos. Get some opioids in you.
0: And that just set her and off. And that
1: just set her off, dude. Wow. And so I was having to, like my girlfriend, who later became my wife, was still stripping. Um, and on the side, she was hooking up with, like, guys, for extra money. Um, and you were okay with this? Oh, man. It's hard to describe. So, like, not really. I was not really okay with it.
0: so she's I was okay
1: with it because
0: I got drugs. No, it's full-on, like, prostitution. Yes, basically. correct.
1: Full-on prostitution. So, she's getting
0: paid for this. And what's, like, the conversation like at home? Uh, well, I, I definitely try to... Like, do you think about it? or? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I definitely think about it. it. It hurts me. It's like when... She would come home with money. I, I, like, I couldn't help but obsess over, like, oh man, like, who was the guy? Who was the guy? How'd you get the money? And honestly, like, as sick as I am, I thought, is he better than me? Did you enjoy it? And like, even for a job, like, I, I, dude, I'm telling you, man, like, I was so insecure about it. You know what I mean? Because in her eyes, it was just for drugs, but in my eyes, it was like some sort of infidelity. You know what I mean? But really it was an exchange of goods and services.
0: Yeah. So you were looking at, this is what you guys needed to do to provide so you guys could keep up your habit and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's crazy i've never actually talked to someone that like we have a lot of friends that have like a girlfriend on OnlyFans or something but that's like different because that's like virtual right so to talk to someone that actually had like that the physical act aspect of it because it's it's a a job right people do do work that it's the oldest profession in the world but it's got to be tough for the man but i guess you're also you're addicted to drugs so it's a different outlook like my outlook's going to be very different as someone that's sober than someone that's addicted to drugs trying to do whatever to get by because
1: it's a lot of money they're making literally and at this time like all three of us are strung out addicted and we realize like okay like the only way this is gonna change is if we get treatment um so we didn't understand how to get treatment in florida so without any place to live without like any plans we drive all the way back to michigan because that's where we know there's treatment available. Um, so I tell her and my mom, like, let's just go back. We'll, we'll find treatment. We'll get into treatment separately. Or we'll all go one at a time. Uh, and that didn't work out, man. Like, so we, we go back, and we're sleeping in the pilot. We're sleeping in the Honda Pilot SUV. Like, all three of us cramped. We have a dog in the car and a cat in the car. So sleep. this is rock bottom. Jail wasn't rock bottom. This right. is rock Dude, bottom. Dude, and it gets worse too, bro, literally. So like we're living in the car for a while, stealing, Like, we we'll drive to uh, like different Walmarts throughout the state of Michigan, steal as much as possible and then either trade it to the drug dealer themselves for the product or find someone to buy it. Uh, and that went on for like four months and my mom's like elderly, she has MS, but she's still using. I continue to get my mom high, and it's, it's chaos. It's, we're always arguing, there's always a problem going on, because that's just addiction, you know what I mean? Um, then uh, my mom decides one morning when she wakes up, I'm going to, I'm going to treatment. So she goes into a hospital, and says me and my wife kidnapped her and forced her to do heroin. Now, we did not force her to do heroin. She was just saying this to get shit. But, like, when I go in to follow her, I'm like, Mom, what's going on? And the cop pulls me aside. He's like, your mom's telling me that you forced her to do heroin. And I'm I'm literally looking at him. My heart sinks to my stomach because I'm thinking I'm about to get arrested for this. So I like, I literally run out of the hospital, and I go to the, the car. I grab my dog out of the car, leave the cat, and we just start walking. And we have a, like a family friend who has been trying to get me clean for five years come pick us up. We get to their house, and they let us stay the night. They have, like I don't know, two or three kids. One kid's like 11 years old. We're sleeping in his room. And uh, he has a wallet in a closet. I had sixty dollars in it, so I just steal the sixty dollars from this eleven-year-old kid, and I go spend it on drugs. And I get back, and they're bo- both the people who I've been trying to get me clean were sitting there, and they're like, "Man, like I, we know you stole that money. You got to go." And uh, so that was just then we it was just me and my significant other at the time your
0: mom was staying at the, at the, the rehab. rehab
1: yeah my mom went into rehab we didn't know which rehab she went to
0: um, so what's like the moment where you guys are both you and your wife are like we need to
1: fix this we need to turn this around we need to get help so that didn't come we actually uh were living in the car and she reported the car stolen while she was in rehab your mom did yeah so uh there is a City police, uh, Canton police, they ran my plates one day and saw that it was a stolen vehicle, quote-unquote, and they arrested me and my wife. They took the dogs and the cat, like, they dragged, dude, like, I, I still have trauma about it. Like, they dragged my dog out of the car and took him to the main site as I was locked in handcuffs in the back seat, This dog was crying, like, and whining, and he, he knew what was happening. And that was messed up. So they take us to jail. um, And we're sitting there for 24 hours or something. And they uh, pull us out and they say the charges had been dropped. Because they found out that the car obviously was not stolen. Uh, And that that left us without a car. So we thought we would go to rehab too. Just that moment you said we're going to go to rehab? So her and I couldn't talk because she had warrants from Florida where they said that they were going to come get her, but they never did. They just said that so they would hold her an additional 72 hours. But a guard let me scream to her that I'm going to rehab. I'll go to QEH, which is a rehab in Detroit. If you get out, go there. So I go to QEH. Um, I'm withdrawn. I'm, I'm still sick because I only spent 24 hours in the um, in the jail, so I was still withdrawing in the process of withdrawing. Uh, so they start giving me meds and stuff. I'm, I'm participating now. Qbh the rehab that I was in wasn't necessarily the best rehab. You know what I mean? It's just kind of uh, a boarding house for for homeless people who are also addicted. Um, but I meet someone there who has property for rent, and instead of completing the probation not the probation the uh the rehab i said listen like i'm gonna leave let me rent a room from you and me and my wife will will work for you um to pay the rent so i do that and now this place that we moved to is in the absolute worst part of detroit like it's the east side the street's called six mile you've seen the movie eight mile right yeah south of eight mile is the ghetto, um, and Six Mile McNichols is the real name of it, is by far the most dangerous part, the most violent, the most addicted, um, imagine Baghdad, that's what the east side McNichols looks like, um, burned down houses everywhere, and this is, we're living in like an old church building, and, uh, the guy who actually ran the place, the landlord, he was not really a nice guy, dude. Like he tried to trick with my wife, so she, he was trying to get her to do prostitution. Um, and she wouldn't. So eventually, like, he demanded that we leave, despite us having our entire house here. So he calls the cops, um, and I run, because I think that I'm going to get arrested, because I still have warrants. You know what I mean? So I get out of there, and my significant other stays. And it turns out the cops left, and the landlord, like, choked her, pushed her down the stairs, and, like, that's when she got out. So now we're both out on the street, nowhere to live, but we're still using. You're back to using again. Back to using. We're literally... Like, I can't describe the, the squalor that we weren't living in. Like, legitimately burned down houses. Houses that have no roof, but they had a crawl space that was, like, the wide as this table that we could crawl into and sleep. But we would never sleep. And this is when the time my, uh, my wife began real prostitution. Like, she was walking the street, getting picked up by strangers, And be gone for days. And I would just wait there. And dude, I can't. There's no words to describe you what that was like. Like sitting in a dope house. Every single person in that house has either slept with my wife, beat my ass, or stolen from me. Every single day, bro. Like for months. We spent like seven months out there living in burned down houses. My wife got raped twice out there but that's the consequences of addiction, man. Like that's what we were living. And that's what was normal to us.
0: How do you turn this around? Cause obviously this isn't going on right now. So you had a pretty quick turnaround time. Cause this isn't too long ago.
1: Yeah. So actually this is, um, we had about, uh, six months out there and I, um, we were in a crack house one time and I'm sitting there. And, uh, Something hit me, man. A moment of clarity. I like to say, even to this day, that like whatever energy manipulates all of existence was speaking to me. It told me, Your mom deserves to know you're alive. This girl who is like, she's three years younger than me, who was like 22 at the time, she deserves to have a normal life. You can do this. And I'm like sobbing in this chair holding her, saying, we got to get out. We have to do something. So the next morning, we called rehab, um, and we go. And the first place we went to um, was Team Wellness, and that is like a co-ed place so her and I could see each other, but that was only three days. And then we split, went to different places. Um, and my wife went back out there. I continued to stay clean, though. Um, I was in treatment consistently for, like, eight months. Like, I had no phone. Like, I I was really scared of myself because I know that disease lives inside of me today. Like, right now, that disease lives here. It's arrested because I do things every day to make sure that I'm living a life in recovery. How do you fight those (laughs) urges? Um, Dude, I'll be straight up, man. Like, it that moment of clarity removed those urges from me bro do you think if you didn't have that moment of clarity you would have ended up dead yes w- without question there is no doubt in my mind today if that moment of clarity did not come i would die dude when i was out there like i was getting fucking jumped on the regular like the regular i like and i couldn't shower for 6 months so like when i did shower when i got in rehab there was black, red blood coming out of my hair. There, like, dude, I was disgusting, bro. Do you value your life a lot more now? Holy shit, dude. I love my life today.
0: Because, you know, there's people that do less drugs that pass away from drug use. Mm-hmm. And you've gone through, like, this whole thing, and you've survived that, and you overcame that. It's just, it's crazy. It really is to think about, like, when you put everything yeah. into perspective.
1: Yeah, I, dude, I... You said at the beginning of this that it was kind of destined to be. And I'll say that addiction is the greatest thing to ever happen to me. It allowed me to grow and value my life in a way that I never thought would be possible. It allowed, showed me what not to do with my daughter you know what I mean? Um, I'm assuming your wife ended up getting clean now that yeah, you have a kid. so actually like three or four months into me being clean at the rehab, I'm sending her regular messages saying like, please, come back. Like you are in oblivion right now. Like you are suffering in an abyss so deep that there's no way out unless you get help. Please let me help you. And uh, one day she comes visiting me at the rehab and she's blowed out like high out of her mind on heroin and I tell her like I can never see you again like I can't do this this hurts too much and uh eventually she she went into rehab she she called me one day and she's like I'm going in so like I she served like 14 days at rehab detoxed I got her into a sober living house um yeah, and then she started working this stuff. She started going to 12-step meetings.
0: What about your parents? What's your relationship with them like today? Yeah,
1: so... Um, when I moved away from my father, uh, he overdosed and died.
0: Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that, man.
1: And uh, like two months later, same thing happened to my brother. He overdosed and died too. Um, And that's... It's just the consequences of addiction, man.
0: Do you use that as, like, a motivator or something to keep you going? Yeah, 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 definitely I do.
1: Um, I have a lot of motivation today to to continue this life. What I will say is um, I got a whole bunch of people in my circle addicted to heroin, and about every single person that I got addicted is dead now. Um, my friend Corey Peters and um, my friend Zach Whitehead, both of them best friends. Like, I, I'm— Zach was autistic, um, and he was a real cool cat, dude. He, he, even though he had autism, he was funny as hell. He would just, like, say, pineapple, like, out of nowhere. Like, you'll be playing video games, and they'll say that. And it, and, dude, I don't know, man. He was just a really warm figure. Um, but I got him addicted to heroin, man. And uh, one day, like, someone that he was using with, like, he overdosed in the car, and they just pushed him out of the car and let him die. Wow.
0: I mean, something yeah. we don't think about is how our actions affect others.
1: Bro, I I think about that a lot today because it, it really hurts, man. Like knowing that like the actions that I did took someone's son away.
0: What happened to your mother?
1: Um, my mom stayed clean after she got uh, into that rehab when we were living in the street. She stayed clean started work because she like I said she went back to school became a social worker she's the inspiration from like me when I got clean to go back to school uh, for social work and uh, yeah man she um she's a powerful woman now you know what I mean she's she's helped a whole lot of people she she works for a drug and alcohol treatment center in Michigan too Um, yeah what do you what do you do for work now what's your life like now so, uh, my life now consists of recovery in all aspects. Um, I work at a drug and alcohol treatment center, um, helping people with, uh, like, just reg- reducing the barriers to recovery. You know, either it's like homelessness; they can't find a place. They they um, need primary care doctors. They need medically assisted treatment like Suboxone or Methadone. Um, and then I just recently started my own business. Um, where I connect people with uh, a peer counselor or a peer recovery coach to follow them throughout the inpatient and um, treatment settings, because the continuity of care needs to be there. You need to have someone who's been on your side from the beginning of your journey to the end. And I mean, not that there is an end, but like they need to follow you through, and that's what we're going to do. And um, we consult with other treatment organizations, like in. Uh, all 50 states, like we'll fly out anywhere um, and do an audit f- for a, a treatment center to make sure that they're like they can be CARF certified, the Center for Addiction Recovery Facilities, um, or integrating new programs. It, it, we just prepare other treatment centers to be the best possible treatment center they can be.
0: That's awesome. Man. And how long have you been clean for now? Uh,
1: I'm going on five years.
0: So now is this like the first time you've actually sat down? to talk about your story?
1: Yeah, dude, literally. Like literally the first time.
0: What was like the motivation to like fly out, meet a stranger, talk about your story? Dude, I-, I Like what would you say to like people that are that want to share their story or are hesitant to talk about it? What's like your experience?
1: Man, it, it's important to share that experience, strength, and hope. That's the, the entire, to carry the message to the person still suffering, that there is another side to this. You know what I mean? Addiction is is a monster, bro. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And it happens like it could be your mother, your brother,
0: a sister, a friend, a, another family member. This is a very real, you know, issue yep. in the world and it doesn't just affect you, it affects the people around you.
1: Dude, literally like everyone in America, they have a a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter who has some sort of addiction. You know what I mean? Whether it's to marijuana, prescription pills. Like, just because it's prescribed by a doctor doesn't mean that it's not going to affect you and your ability to not become addicted. You know what I mean? Like, this, these are still drugs.
0: Now, if you could go back to your teenage self and have a conversation with that person, what would you
1: say to him? Man, I don't know. To be honest, I would just tell him to... Enjoy the suffering. You know what I mean? Like, that is... Dude, like, the, I fucking... That was, dude, it was really hard to overcome. Being raped, uh, uh, addicted parents, like, yeah, it was hard to overcome. But, dude, holy shit, this trauma motivated me. Like, I don't have to suffer alone in here. There's people out there whose story is just like mine who needs to be told. Someone who has something to be said that you can recover from this. That's why it's important to share my story because my story is not unique in that. I am a garden variety drug addict. You know what I mean? I am not special in any way. Like what's special is the community and joy and fulfillment you get after those hard moments of wanting to change, those those moments of clarity, we got to focus on those and use those because otherwise we're going to die out there. You know what I mean? And I I know that I don't want any more sons, daughters, moms, or dads to be gone. And I owe it to Corey and Zach, the people that I got addicted to heroin. I owe it to them to bust my ass today. I believe, do you know, so you're familiar with the Phoenix. Yeah, I believe I am a phoenix. I have died and risen from the ashes. I have been reborn. I'm not like a Christian. I mean, like, dude, I, I don't know what religion is what, you know what I mean? But I do know that there is a force out there greater than me. And whatever it was pushed me. You know what I mean? It gave me that moment of clarity to just see for just a split second that there was something greater out there. And I was scared at first because I was comfortable in that insanity, dude. Like, that's my whole that was my whole life. Drugs and alcohol and, and violence and trauma, that was it. That was everything. But I was comfortable with it. You know, I was scared to live outside of my comfort zone. I was scared that I would fail. I was scared that I didn't have it in me to, to do the things necessary to stay clean today. But I do. And right? now you have the
0: story to share and like we were talking about earlier like it's those stories that no one really knows about that are the most relatable to individuals because you're just like you're the you're the typical average person that did not choose this lifestyle you did not want this lifestyle it was kind of thrown at you yeah and certain decisions of others and yourself brought you down this journey and you were able to survive that and now you have the story of hope and inspiration to you know inspire others. So, Dylan, thank you for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and I wish you the best. I wish your wife the best, your family, uh, your daughter, and uh, excited to see what you do um, with
1: your story and and continuing to like spread that positivity. Thank you, I and mean, I appreciate being on, man. You you got a cool thing going here, and uh, I'm I'm glad to see that you're you're helping people share their story. Thanks, man.